Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight, we're looking at the Doomwatch episode, The Logicians, episode synopsis. It's a jolly lovely summer's day at the Elsdean School, and the boys are preparing for a field trip to a pharmaceutical company after spending the night planning a heist. The boys seem a bit full of themselves, but their teacher reminds them that people respect cleverness, but they don't like prigs. Later, at that pharmaceutical company, Ridge and Chantry are conferring with Mr. Preetland, director of the facility, about a new drug, K-27, that Doomwatch are evaluating. They will take a sample of the drug back to Doomwatch for evaluation and return it tomorrow. While they're there, the first of two groups of schoolboys start their tour, and with a distraction, they conceal one of their members in a ventilation duct. That night, he exits the duct, uses a high-tech gizmo on the safe, and steals the formula for K-27, returning to the duct to await retrieval the next day by the second group of boys visiting the facility. Ridge and Hardcastle arrive the next day to find the police there investigating the theft of the formula. They are treating everyone that was in the building yesterday as a suspect, including Ridge. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone, except the field trip of schoolboys, since the son of the director attends that school. Ridge notices something suspicious in the director's office, but he doesn't mention it to the police. Instead, he and Hardcastle visit the school, where they see the children being trained in symbolic logic by a computer to work through problem-solving exercises. Ridge is apparently appalled at the amoral lessons and takes his concerns to Quist, who, upon learning that the visionary educator who set up the school died and passed control to his wife, gets a bit concerned, too. Meanwhile, Due to the crime, the second field trip was cancelled, leaving the infiltrator trapped in the air duct, potentially for several days. This, however, is not a problem. The student's logical plan has allowed for this contingency. They have worked out a system to smuggle food into the facility, and presumably smuggle out human waste, to keep the trapped infiltrator alive until the plan is complete. Quist visits the school and becomes more concerned that having computerized teaching machines doesn't provide the students with the moral training that they need. Logic without emotion combined with receptive minds without ethical guidance is a terrifying prospect. He also learns that the school is dangerously close to closing due to lack of funding. No slouches themselves at Doomwatch, they realize that the students have stolen the formula to extort money from Preetland's company for the return of the formula so that they can fund the school. Soon, the ransom call comes in, and Preetland's company authorizes the payoff. Hardcastle plants a tracking bug in the briefcase, and the money is thrown off a train where the students collect it. They scan the briefcase for a bug and find it, taking the money and sending the briefcase on a wild goose chase. Having received the money, the infiltrator comes out of the duct, places the documents back on Preetland's desk, and escapes by breaking a window and running away. Quist and Ridge confront 
Pratland with their suspicions, and he admits not only had he figured it out when Ridge did, but his son basically confessed to him when he begged for an alibi. And he's okay with that, because the company can afford it. Quist urges him to turn his son in, but he refuses. Then Quist drops the bombshell. His son planted the briefcase at Pratland's home, setting his father up as the fall guy for the crime if it went wrong. Only by calling the police and turning his son in will he be able to prevent that from working to discredit him. He makes the call. But Preetland sees the bright side. His son's a minor, so the school will be responsible for the consequences. And what an amazing businessman his son is going to make when he grows up! <laughs> Quist and Ridge can only frown in despondent agreement. Joe, the logicians. Once again, not what I was expecting from that title. <laughs> <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination. Um, wow. Well, <laughs> what did you think of this episode? Well, from a Doomwatch point of view, it's quite an interesting proposition, isn't it? I mean, basically what they're warning us is if we're crazy enough to make sure that every pupil has a computer in front of them in school, then basically we're going to have a load of Thomas Crowns and Charlie Crokers running around. So thank goodness we haven't done that, right? Right, right. Or, yeah. I, oh, yeah, this, <laughs> this has a whole world of hurt to some. I, you know, the, it's, it's not so much the computers that bother me, although it does because obviously they are drawing a line between logic and computers and amorality or a circle around the three, I should say. It's the, I'm going to have to say that if we had kids who could come out of school, who could put together problem solving like that, that would be an enormous boon. And I'm not dismissing other aspects of it. I just feel like, <laughs> They've really singled out an incredibly important skill that we should be teaching people and say, you know, you do that and we're just going to have a bunch of amoral, you know, the, you know, what's next? They just they kill people. I mean, he was going to destroy his father's life for the school. Um, but once, once again, it's, it's a complete, it's like the human time bomb. They've, they've tried to take something that is a genuine, a genuine concern which you might, as a, you know, as a hypothesis, you what might. What is the genuine concern? A, a, well, the the, the, con, the concern is that the way in which you teach young people could have an effect on their moral development as well as their academic development, and therefore you have to make sure that the academic design for learning doesn't completely eclipse any kind of moral dimension to it. I mean, I I, I think that's something that you could design a study to look at. Um, it's probably not the kind of study you could turn into an entertaining 50 minutes of television drama, but nevertheless, it's. I think it's a valid question. I mean, I, I was looking at it thinking about it from the, point of, from the point of view of someone whose job is basically to look at how, how to enable people to use technology in their learning. It was quite interesting, the the kind of pedagogical approach that seemed to be being taken in the school developed by the late founder and which so alarmed ridge at one glance because he came away going oh my god this is 
we're, we're somehow beating the, the morality out of these kids. But what I saw was actually, it was very far from being the kind of, the, the maybe the concern around the time around uh, sort of Skinner's learning machines and, and these kind of very behaviourist approaches to how you should learn and therefore how technology should fit into that. And instead, what you got was something I thought was hugely more forward-looking to sort of uh, social constructivist approaches where what the students were doing was not not something it it wasn't it wasn't pure computation that they were they were trying to do and be tested by the machines what they were doing was trying to solve real life problems by the application of logic as and a group they, as a team they, yes indeed exactly exactly so and and so they they were they were constructing their own understanding through the discussions they were having with their peers and the technology was a a, a resource to help them with that and from a moral point of view if we just set aside the small matter of one of the students framing their own father what we got was a bunch of kids who were who who you could forgive for for if you know if they were supposedly these moral vacuums were just in it for themselves you know they'd trample over anyone else to to get whatever it was that they desired instead they were looking out for their own collective interests and those of the school by coming up with a plan to secure funding for it and they were operating in a very collegial way as a team and the, yes. their teamwork was excellent i yes it, everything about this was just when ridge goes and watches that room of the kids and they're solving the problem about uh, a ship that's been stranded at sea without the motors. And they're working with the resources that they've got. And they, you know, to, to come up with a way to get that ship back into port or wherever they were trying to get the ship. Um, I, I saw absolutely nothing wrong with that exercise. I, and, you know, as someone who has spent my career as a problem solver of that kind, I was vastly impressed. And of course I have a blinkered uh, view there because I'm looking at, it's like, gosh, I wish I was sitting in a room full of people who could think like that because it would have made things so much easier than having to drag them through the mire of mud of bad logical thinking. And so I see a team of people working together towards a valid problem. And I don't see any problem with that skill. Furthermore, I don't see that it automatically excludes morality. They are working towards a, you know, it has to do with the questions that they put to them. Here they are trying to solve saving a ship. That's a, a, a good thing. They're not putting it towards how do I save my life to get off the ship at the exclusion of all the others, or how do I rob a bank or, you know, whatever it happens to be. It has to do with the problem that they're well, put the in hand. Company. Yeah. And the skill itself is not a problem. And yet Ridge sees a few minutes of it in a situation that is truly absolutely nothing wrong there that I, that I can see. And I, I was curious because I know that you work in using technology to facilitate education and, like I don't see I, I 
In fact, I was blindsided when Ridge got back to Quist and he's like, oh, he's programming these kids. And it's like, what? What? How did how did you not come away from that impressed? <laughs> how did you not go? I mean, I could see you come back and go, that was amazing. What those kids <laughs> was doing was amazing. But consider <laughs> that means they have the skills to plan something like this. So, but it, it, I wouldn't yeah, automatically running. jump to the conclusion that that would lead them to causing things like this, to doing things like this. Does that make no, sense? What, what, well, it, I mean, it, it not only makes sense, I, I think I would go further in that what you're observing is a learning activity taking place. It doesn't matter what kind of technology is in the room so much as what kind of learning is taking place. And it yeah. may be that certain kinds of learning they need some kind of technology to facilitate it. I would argue that what you saw in that room, it didn't need any special kind of technology to facilitate it if they'd had to resort to, I mean, providing they'd had the, the books and the reference materials that they needed, they could have just looked it up. And it, it, it's a shortcut, okay, to... to, to I, I felt like the computer system. technology was just, um, you know, bad technical understanding of what computers do. In that case, well, it, it was just, it, yes, computers it, are doing it's fine, but they're, they're, they're there. They're there to provide the imagery of this, um, this proposition that this, the students are being programmed by the teaching. Whereas, in fact, what I would argue is that you can program kids through the way you teach them without computers. If, you know, if, if what you want to do is to, is to get a kind of you provide them with a stimulus and you get a Pavlovian response, then you can do that in all sorts of ways. It so happens that it's very easy to do that using machines, but that wasn't what we were seeing here. Now, I'm not arguing that using computers or using technology cannot have a deleterious effect on teaching, partly because it is so easy to fall into those traps and partly because people think people are inclined to think in a very techno-determinist kind of a way. But that's not what we were seeing here. And I would point to all the other evidence that we see in this episode about the way these kids behave, about the way they treat each other, um, about the things that they care about and which they consider important, would suggest that these are not bad kids. <laughs> they're, not, they're not doing something that is totally morally repugnant. They're doing something wrong. I'm not, you know, it's... It's one of the, it's one of those um, one of those things where if you have a, a heist movie and you you want your protagonists to be sympathetic even though they're committing a crime and obviously this was more of a problem in the era of the lavender hill mob and the Italian job and so forth that you can't you can't condone it but at the very least what you can do is rather than having them murder a security guard and steal a pensioner's life savings you can have them hold to ransom a very rich pharmaceutical company and no one loses out but the insurers and i'm not saying that's give right, the money give the money but, to charity you know to old widows and orphans and things yeah it, well or, or in this case to a to the charitable institution happens to be an educational institution which a lot of people would recognize as being a worthy cause it's mentioned in the program that it receives donations yep 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 it, it's it it's i would still argue that you know it it is an indefensible position morally i i don't 
I don't agree that you can argue, well, we're just stealing from an insurance company and we're giving it to, to these old ladies and puppies or whatever. I'm not asking you to agree I, that. No, I, no, no, I, no. I, I didn't say it, I didn't say it was right. What I'm what I'm what I'm suggesting is It just is makes that, it more sympathetic. Yeah, and and that and that these kids are misguided rather than doing something that is very obviously completely I mean what what we would be what we'd be looking at is something that is completely amoral. Would if, we be different if they were thirty years old? They were adults? Or are yes, we giving think, them I mean, a slight uh, yes. pass because they're children? I think I think we are giving them a slight pass because they're children. I mean I also think we're we're watching an entertaining heist, so we're 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 falling into that same trap there. The, I think the problem right. with it, because, because I must say, I did find the episode entertaining. I I tend to like Dennis Spooner's stuff. You know, he wrote a lot mm-hmm. of New Avengers. He wrote some Avengers stuff. Um, you'll know he he did a number of Doctor Who's and created Randall and Hopkirk. Mm-hmm. He he's an entertaining writer, and he's given us what is basically a heist, and 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 it's got that classic kind of um, punchline to the opening where you have them planning the heist, but you can't see them. And then you start to discover their kids. And that's so like, it could have been an Avengers episode. Okay. I knew they were kids from their voices. Like, well, how do you say sound like kids? <laughs> I, but. I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't clear that they were going to be in a, a, a school dormitory in their pajamas. Fair enough. I, I, I mean, they sounded youthful. And so, and I, and I genuinely think that was that was the intended reveal, and it yeah it reminded me a little bit of like uh, the the couple of Avengers that were not in schools, but there was a, a couple in universities, um, probably mm. particularly um, a taste of history um, from season four. But the, I think the point is that what Spooner had to do with this was cram it into the Doom Watch format, so there had to be some Doom for us to watch and that was going to be the kind of the, the the educational terror of having kids educated by computers so there had to be a certain amount of do you not think i i that's interesting that you phrase it that way because i i feel like these episodes are driven the other direction and that instead of cramming the doom into it they this is a well-done crafted way of turning something that's pretty esoteric into a, a good story. I'm not exactly saying you're cramming a heist into a story about the warnings of, of logic, but, uh, you know, I, I just feel like it worked the other direction that they came from that angle instead of, I've got this great heist story. Now, how do I make it doom watch? I know I'll add, I'll add. Oh, well, I mean, it may be logic, in- but. It may have come from the other direction, but I think I think there's a mismatch in the sense that it, it doesn't organically fit together. What we've got are the the Doomwatch players mm. happening again to be in the place where something different is occurring from what it is that they were there for. So they were investigating one thing, and then John Ridge starts playing detective, and that's how they get involved in solving a, a crime. And Quist sort of goes off and does his interviewing of the the new headmistress and the kind of sad putting his head in his hands and you know what what has the world come to i must ring the police and and shop all these uh resourceful young students Um, now quick question before we drift too far from it 
with regards to the morality of the issue. If Preetland's company hadn't paid, what would the kids have done? Because we're saying they're painting them as relatively sympathetic because here it's almost a victimless crime like the insurance company. But if they had failed to get the money, would they have carried through on their threat to turn it over to a competitor? It's, I mean, that's, that's a good less question. Sympathetic. I, I, did, I, I did wonder it. I did wonder. And in a way, the thing that points towards the possibility that they would do that is that they were ruthless enough or at least Freeland Jr. was ruthless enough to frame his own dad, which it makes you think that he at least is um, somewhat morally deficient. But I don't know well, from, a, from a logical point of view whether there would actually be any gain in sending, e even if they could get them out, which they were having trouble with, whether there'd be any gain in sending them to the conferences. I do think that the part of framing Preetland is absolutely not spur of the moment. That is part of the overall arching plan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt and about that logical. because they had a bug detector. It's logical that they that they had somebody to place that on and, and go. So mm. now uh, another question is because obviously this is a school that is very different from schools that we would recognize largely here in the United States. Is part of the deficiency here the fact that it's a boarding school? And we have boarding schools, but I don't think there is common perhaps here. And, and so these children are being raised without the benefit of their families. They're being raised in an institution as opposed to, and, and we know institutionalized kids have more problems. And when I say institutionalized, well, I mean perhaps in the other types of institutions. So I, I, I think that's well, and that. I think you got a, had a good case there. Um, I, I, you know, there there was a very much, you are providing the school, you are not providing their ethical and moral grounding. And they, they made a point of referring to it as liberal arts. And I, and I'm wondering, you know, is this an argument for liberal arts over targeted specific education? You know, when I went to school, uh, I was had no interest in going to liberal arts at all. My, my interest was to go into engineering. And, you know, as time has gone on, as I've gotten older and I've gone to appreciate it, I think I might have gone to liberal arts first for that sort of how to think, not what to do attitude that they have. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I, obviously, I think there's some Dennis Spooner's uh, preconceptions playing in this episode strongly. Maybe. I'm wondering whether Dennis Spooner went to a private school now. But uh, I, I <laughs> mean, the, Eaton, the, of course he did. No. The, the gag about old Etonians aside, I think there is, there is, I don't, I don't, I don't know whether people who are, go to a boarding school have any more issues. I don't, I don't know whether that's true because you get, you still get a, an upbringing. It's not like every parent who, sends their kid to a day school is an excellent moral guardian and many schools I i'm would, sure are far far better at it so i will absolutely agree I, I absolutely i i you saying that makes me want to clarify that i do not i absolutely am not of the camp 
that says every family is uh, the most qualified to teach their children the way they should grow up. That is that is absolutely not true because there is no correlation between the quality of you as a person in society and the ability to procreate. And <clears throat> they are they are different things. So just because they're at home does not mean that they get a moral upbringing. I didn't did not mean to imply that. It's just that you have got you don't have a second checkpoint there. They're not going home at night and talking about what they did at school and somebody sitting around going, hmm, that sounds like a bunch of amoral computer programming in my child. Perhaps I should be concerned about this. You, you don't get that because they're all cloistered together in that school and they're all on the same track and all the teachers are on board on that and all the... the... So by being isolated and locked away... It provides an environment that would allow something to fester quicker if if it happens, whether that's institutional racism or snobbery or uh, logisticism, <laughs> whatever the word would be for that. It it just seems like a, a a kind of a place where that could take off faster, if that makes if that it's makes a, sense. It's a it's a it's a plausible hypothesis. Whether it's more likely, I don't know. I, th I think in some ways, some of the things you're talking about are what schools would say is the advantage of them in the sense that it steeps the students in a particular culture, in a particular value system, which there are those who would say is morally beneficial. Now, whether you agree with that probably depends on your own worldview and the particular type of education that any given school is offering. I yeah, my, my impression of English you know, private, public, you know, those are private schools, right? Or those publics? Private That's schools. public yeah, school. Private That's a private school. Well, a but I think your public schools were private. Public schools are private, Isn't... yes. <laughs> and then you have private schools, which are also private. Is that correct? Pub... What we know about this is, is, is it's a private school. We don't know whether it is a public school, which is a type of private school. Okay. That is just too confusing. But, but what I know of that is, you know, what we get from television. So my understanding is that it largely involves having younger students having hot buttered English muffins jammed between their butt cheeks uh, as part of their <laughs> culture. So um, public schools. Yeah. But it's a type of private school. So <laughs> so what is a not private, not public school? What's left if it's not a public or private? That is funded by the state, a state school. State school. Okay. See, because public and private to us in the United States are the two mutually exclusive opposites. That's what there are. There is public and there is private. Public being state funded. So, okay. And that's why that gets so confusing because those words just mean something totally different. Um, all right. I have okay. far so, more questions about public and private schools, but I'm not going to ask them. <laughs> I'll catch that off offline. Basically, if you forget, public schools are Charterhouse, Eton, Harrow, Rugby, Shrewsbury, Westminster and Winchester, particularly long established private schools. This is not a public school because we certainly get the impression that it's, it's, uh, it's much more recently established. Well, in the 50s, and, I think they said. Yeah. And and so, but but we do know that it is privately funded. That is very explicitly stated. Mm -hmm. Now, 
in in terms of what I think Spooner is trying to say, but it may be it may be a comment on private schools. I have I've just checked, and according to a piece his system wrote, he left school at fourteen and became a telegram boy for the post office, which doesn't sound like the career of a typical public school or private school boy. Um, Correct. That would also agree interesting. That. He went on to play for Leighton Orient, but that's another story. The comment that Ridge makes in this story about why he thinks that there is something wrong with these particular kids who are being educated with these computers is he says there's a sureness about them, a mental arrogance. And I'm sitting there going, but that is like a public school. That, mm-hmm. you know, find me, and that's- find me an Etonian who does not precisely fit that description. So the more interesting there was thing- the Sorry, go, on. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say there is that line about people like cleverness, but they don't like prigs. There, there is there is somebody at the school telling them that they there's a that there's a a line that they need to tread between, and it does sound like it 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 sounds like I want you to be the cleverest, smartest, most arrogant person in your mind that you need to be that you can be, but you have to put on the show for the mundanes and which is kind that's of, how i took that line that, that 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 still resonates now when you have people like michael gove saying people have had enough of x michael gove being a, a cabinet minister for mm. those of you across the pond who are fortunate enough to have managed to completely ignore british politics but pe- he's education public, isn't he uh he used to be he used to be oh okay and 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 he said that the the, the public are fed up of experts that was his particular thing on on why why we shouldn't pay any attention to the experts saying it would be an economic disaster to leave the European Union. So mm-hmm. there there is a sense in which from that line you get the idea that either somehow these kids have been hot housed maybe by the school and that's why they are so much cleverer than their peers or anyone would expect them to be just looking at a 15 year old kid or whatever. Or it could be that the school is highly selective, which True. might might explain why they have sureness and a mental arrogance and also why they're very good at planning heists and why putting computers in classrooms, should we ever do such a crazy thing, might not result in a massive crime wave. So to me, the more interesting uh, comment that he made there was that there is a lack of formal discipline within the school. And it's quite interesting that the kids are a bit... Mm dismissive of that and i wonder whether that because you know i have had a slightly unusual education myself and i wonder whether that comes about from uh, as a reference to summer summer hill schools not that i went to one but one of these schools where there are essentially no rules whatsoever and the kids can do whatever they like Did a montessori school no <laughs> no um very different I... but but it, it it the 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 distinction you're making between the arts and the, the sciences may not actually be that it what's what's going on there is your is you are is you are removing some of the formal structures about how you how you actually get the kids to demonstrate their understanding in a very prescribed kind of a way so you're get, you're going to read about this and then you're going to do an exam on it towards saying here's a problem solve it however however you like using whatever resources you know are available to you which does produce some 
slightly different skills and and independence in learning and clearly they are then employing their um, ability to transfer those skills to different problems in order to say ah how do we collect a ransom without getting caught i know we'll send a radio signal to someone on a train holding a suitcase Mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna put out um the thought that they are not a highly selected school um, because the headmistress says they can't put the fees up because part of their uh, founding philosophy is to make the education available to anyone. Why would that not make them highly selective? Well, if they if they if they're being highly selective, I, I, that makes it all the more that, important that they do that because they they what we're talking about is selection based on ability and. If they didn't do what the headmistress said, but then that's not, not available to, to anyone. Ability, they would. That's not available would, to anyone. That's available to people who can pass the test, and that's, that's not anyone. But that's what. But I mean, that's, what, that's, that's how what I took the term. About. That is what she's talking about. Because because if you say, well, we're going to be able to take people who are clever but able to afford it, and you've got so many places to fill, you're going to have to reduce your threshold for cleverness because you've just narrowed the pool of possible applicants that you can appeal to i suppose that's one way uh, and it, it, it i suppose that's one way of interpreting it i didn't see it that way but okay so it's available to anyone that can take and pass the test or 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 whatever entrance criteria so it's not the education it's the test or the well the the te- entrance test criteria yeah anyone that can pass that it's anyone has access to the criteria not anyone has access to the education Okay, I, yeah. I again, that's probably down which, to the which in fairness way is of true school. of any school. Um, well, no, no it, school it, says we will take anyone who wants to come. Well, because in, in, they don't we have will, the space. Yeah. Well, provided you have the space, but how you fill that space is can be done differently. I, I, I know that the school that my wife teaches at, and these are very controversial schools anyway, so I don't, don't need to get into that. But because it is funded by the state. They can't, basically, they have to take them from the waiting list or on the list by application rather than by qualification, the kit. Now, what's controversial about the school is that they just grind them so hard that the ones who aren't capable of it have to fail out and then open a space for someone who can. But that's a different story. But again, it's, it's you can get into the school, rich or poor, dumb or smart. You just... But you can't. Probably can't remain there can can it can anyone go there space do, they, do they have to have been picked from this list by whatever criteria the do, list do is first come first serve right so not you know not so it's not can. you've got to be there before you've got to get on the list you have to apply yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so but, there's always that there's always going to be some selection well, that's a resource allocation though they, yeah yeah they it is X but what seats, i suspect but... they're doing with the resource allocation in this particular school is picking the most able ones the most logical ones which you know is fine with me but that's not not how i interpreted her comments but it's possible um i yeah and and something you mentioned also was the fact it was kind of funny that ridge is making the argument for the kids don't have enough discipline and the kids are saying ha ha it's a joke this school doesn't have discipline so we could argue that they are still getting some of their 
let's call that morality, but in other words, ethical guidance. They know they should have it, and they're exploiting it. But so I they're not. I, these kids are not operating in a vacuum. They're not operating in a vacuum. They they can see things wrong. They can clearly tell that that's wrong about that school, the discipline. And they're using, they're exploiting it. I mean, they are, this is, this is the capitalist that dad is so happy about there at the end, um, spotting a chink in the system and, and, and using it against them, which by the way, is there a school anywhere, anywhere, anywhere that doesn't at least do a head count on a field trip? I certainly thought that was fairly extraordinary, but again, yes. Adam Smithers is aware. Yes, there were. (laughs) That, that just, wow. <laughs> it's negligent. And yes, if they, if the, if the kids had said, you know, that maybe that's what they were saying. Maybe they were, maybe they were saying that that's negligent, but I don't think that the ref, the reference to discipline actually has any connection with morality because we're talking, we're talking, we're not talking about a, a form of moral education. We're talking about a form of crowd control. So, it seems to me like these kids are perfectly able to operate, generally speaking, with maybe one exception, in a civilised way, relatively speaking, quite morally well-behaved. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it comes down to whether or not what they were going to do with those plans if they didn't get paid. Yeah. Well, I, well, I no, I think that what they're doing I, is, I... Is, is, is not right regardless but it also comes down to the fact that they are they're they're not they're not behaving in a way that is completely as you say in a vacuum where they can just disregard any moral considerations what they're doing is weighing up different choices that they have which i would argue they are doing in a relatively speaking a moral way they're coming to the wrong conclusion but they're not thinking I will look after my own interests. They look. They're saying I will look after the interests of the school and the and the fellow pupils at the school. And in order to 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 protect our interests, we will commit this moral transgression, which is the lesser thing than allowing the school to be closed down. In a you know they, they may regard it as being unfair that they. That it is closed down, and that, and that that in itself is a moral question. I'm not so defending you, it, but it, I, but I just think there is some moral reasoning going on behind it. I think so. Then what we're we're concluding here is that they they themselves are. Oh, how do I put this? Sometimes when you think of the term amoral, you I mean you as in general crowd or people in in all you think of it without morals because that's what the word means, but. That has an implication that you are oblivious to that. But if you know what you are doing is wrong and you weigh up the chances of you getting caught and you make a logical decision that says, well, statistically speaking, I'm not likely to get caught. Therefore, I can go ahead and do that. Is that is that the correct definition of the word amoral or is yeah. that some yeah. other terminology because that's not you know it's wrong you may even feel horribly guilty about it and if you feel guilty about it then you are not without morals you are just i think you have just overridden them so uh, i i didn't like the use of the word amoral in this because i felt like these kids knew right and wrong they just 
I think the I think here is I that think... they've they've made a uh, quote unquote logical evaluation of the statistical chance of them getting caught, planned against it, and proceeded with an understanding that they might get caught, but probably don't think they will because they're too arrogant. But what that what that suggests is that anyone who is given the capability to avoid avoid being captured for or being caught for for whatever transgression they may wish to commit will commit that transgression so it's got to be, it's got to be something the re, the reason that they are able to carry out the heist without getting caught is because they go through all of the various permutations and work out contingencies work out likelihoods and contingencies for each of them so that it's all meticulously planned and it goes well because they follow the, those plans very carefully and as an effective team. Why didn't they I, just break out the window and leave that night? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm not sure. That, <laughs> so much for their logical plan. <laughs> that, that, that also doesn't necessarily affect the argument that what they, what they, are, what they are doing is not in any way in influencing their moral capability or not unless you believe that the only reason that most people behave in a moral way is because they're not capable of breaking the law and getting away with it and that isn't what behaving in a moral way means wait i thought the only reason people behaved in a moral way was because of fear of hell I i'm sure i've been told that well, same, yes, same thing, same, you know, when we... You're going to hell. When we, when we get into these moral discussions, you've got, you've got the same issue there. So I, I, I am, I'm struggling with the idea, like you, that these kids are amoral from the way that they behave on screen. They're described by Ridge et al. as being amoral. Ridge says they're programmed and they mm -hmm. love it. But if we didn't have that commentary from the prigs in the Ministry of National Security Doomwatch team, we wouldn't know that because that's not what's being shown to us on screen, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. And I, I will tell you that when Dad at the end says, oh, what an amazing businessman he's going to make someday. And he, Quist and Ridge just kind of, glum sort of like right isn't he i think but i'm thinking what an amazing team of of scientists they could make working on important problems or what an amazing team of people they could make working on social issues or you know all that we're lacking here is that concern which is what the issue is that they won't care about anything except what meets their immediate ends but they, that, they yeah they, that self-interest it's self-interest it's more about self-interest than it is about morality in a way here if they had been put to the task of saying here solve global warming go and you had people like the task that of, of improving shipping safety and exactly they were and they were doing it yeah so i don't i don't get what the problem is yeah, I, I just, I just didn't get it, and I, yeah. <laughs> so what, what, I, what I liked was school kids committing a heist. What I didn't get was the particular school environment in which they were operating was the reason that this particular bunch of kids had ended up committing a heist. 
and that this was a Doom Watch issue. I, I do want to. I do want to say I liked, um, and we'll come back to Spock in a minute. But I, I, I liked the fact that we had Doom Watch here interacting with a pharmaceutical company where they had had concerns. Here we're at the end of the program. K27 was an amazing new antibiotic that had some uh, known side effects. And the Doomwatch team working with the pharmaceutical company solved those problems. Yes. They made a better product to go to market. They uh, satisfied the regulatory needs of the government to make sure they've got a safe product. And, and the pharmaceutical company was still bitching about it. A little bit, but not, not as much. You know, and and I think Ridge very, very succinctly put when the guy said, Man, you know, you had to put up with you guys for a while. And he said, are you saying that you were willing to go to market with a product that you knew had those side effects? And the guy's like, well, no. he doesn't want to say that, no. Because it put the question that way. And if you had put that question to those kids, would they have gone... Yes, because the risks are not, it's, you know, or would they have also had to be backed down when the question was put to them about whether or not that was the right thing to do? The correct I, I think, thing I to think, do. I think the guy's son, I mean, thinking about, thinking even more about that exchange, how, how amoral the guy was. The fact, oh, yeah. that, his, the fact that his son is equally without scruples kind of points towards the fact that it might be more to do with his parenting than his actual school education. There is that. There is that possibility. I mean, dad is not at all concerned about the company. Uh, the company will pay out. He's like, okay, fine. He uh, He's also not at all concerned that the company has authorized the fact that they can do whatever they need to do without involving the police, right? I mean, all of these things that they were maybe not... Uh, concerned about the depression and also that uh, he was obviously only tolerating Dr. Chantry because she's babe and uh, <laughs> and not Ridge. Uh, I mean, we had that opening bit where he was very, very dismissive of Ridge and very solicitous of, of Chantry. So, uh, he, yeah, he's not a nice guy. He, he's definitely and he, not a and nice he only, guy. He only calls the police in the end because he's worried about the threat to him personally, so very much self-interest. Yeah. So, yeah. See, what was I saying about parents uh, not having the what's needed, <laughs> but having what they need to procreate? Uh, it's it, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, if his wife had been alive, would that be different? Would they have two people guiding the kid a little bit better, or is this also an indictment of single parents and hands off? Um, I, I, yeah, it's it's not. I do. I did mentioned spock and i just wanted to point out that you know this is post star trek and oh that's there was an off yeah mr not dr spock mr spock proper spock not that we guy are talking about child discredited but okay <laughs> not that spock yeah um my parents had that book actually um that's how long ago that book is outdated but no the 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 moral issue one of the things about star trek the original is Spock is presented as a way to give Kirk a sounding board of 
the logic of a situation versus the morality of the situation or the ethics of the situation or and and it's they don't phrase it that way right they don't they don't they don't put spock as amoral they put spock as emotionless and there's there's a mention of that in this story that that it is these kids are being taught without emotion as well and that that is uh part of the problem are they saying that morality derives from emotion because that comes back to that whole feeling guilt thing i think i think that the, that the, is the that is the kind of lazy assumption i mean mora- morality is based on logic we would certainly we would certainly argue that someone who was just following their instinctive emotional responses to things like you know i feel angry Rah, smash things up. I feel hungry. I'll just take that and I'll eat it. That they would be acting in, in an immoral way. That when we start building moral frameworks or considering moral moral options, we have to think about think. You know, the 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 categorical imperative is a logical proposition. Do to others as you would be done to yourself. You have to think about what someone else would feel like, and you have to think about why that is important so you you can't do any of that without a logical framework it's a false dichotomy and i think part of that is that they false i believe i believe they are falsely referring to this as symbolic logic because it's on a computer but what they were teaching those kids was not symbolic logic no i'm just My you, under- you, i don't well I, I don't know what the reference was they they were obviously making use of symbolic logic which they may have needed to understand in the way they were using the computer but that wasn't apparent well, for diagramming but that's what symbolic logic yeah. is yeah you wouldn't get you wouldn't it, get it, it from it, what ridge observed you wouldn't draw that conclusion correct and you know formal logic symbolic logic is just a notation system yeah that is adapted by computers, but it's still, is still logic. And believe it or not, they actually teach logic at universities and schools. Some of them do. You can take a class in it. I took a class in it. (laughs) And like, it's not a bad thing. It's just not a bad thing. Ah, that hurt me when he said that. It's like, no, they're not teaching them symbolic logic. That's just a buzzword you heard. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know that I have anything else. Um, well, I, 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 particular... I, I mean, what, I oh, I say there was one, there was one thing one which thing. you already picked up on in your synopsis, which shows. Oh yes, okay, so it's the uh, poo. <laughs> it just, I, I would, I would, I would add. I mean, that certainly was on my list because. <laughs> They they were bringing. Yes. He, I wasn't clear how many days and nights he was there. They were bringing the guy food. They were bringing the guy water. He could only get out in the evenings, and I didn't see him going off. I mean, I guess it could have been when we weren't filming, um, but he could have been off to use the conveniences. But I didn't also see anything at this school that suggested that the kind of physical endurance involved, a physical and indeed mental endurance involved, would have been as easy for him as it appeared to be. He did complain a bit about getting bored at one point, but being in a confined space for... Days. Yeah, uh, yeah, effectively. Certainly many, many hours at a time. I mean, we're we're essentially talking about something that is used as a, a, a punishment in in prisons and things so how <laughs> that's right 
how a 15 year old manages to endure i i didn't quite i don't know i at the very least i'd have liked some sort of acknowledgement of the fact that that was a particularly impressive feat especially when they were talking so kind of casually about oh well we just skip rescuing wagstaff and leave him there well they're emotionless so he's emotionless too so it's not a problem i i don't know if you're put in solitary confinement uh as a punishment by somebody else or you voluntarily go into doing it does that make a difference to your mental attitude i i feel like it would i i still i still yeah. think you you've got you've got to have a you've got to have a mental toughness for it and but it's all but it is also physical it is if if you're unable to move beyond you know a few inches in any direction yeah. which is where which is where he was you would be in agony after a fairly short period of time so how do you deal with not just being unable to to speak to anyone unable to engage your brain in anything meaningful but also you're enduring physical pain almost all the time it's pretty yeah I, I i agree and i assumed I, I did make a comment about his bathroom breaks, and I kind of worked on the assumption that, you know, he had that one minute. He could sneak out, run down to the lav, and uh, and then run back in the thing, but he wouldn't be able to flush the toilet. So, you know, every morning they're coming that, yeah, and going, yeah. who didn't flush the toilet last night? <laughs> but, but it's going to be a problem for him during the day because uh, I don't yes, think you can make yourself that regular. A high level of control. I also think there is the fact that when he went out and ran down the corridor or whatever, he would have to run up and down quite a few times to remain sufficiently uh, supple. And you you need a little bit of exercise, a little bit of daily exercise to, to stop yourself becoming completely, even at that young age, I think, stop yourself becoming completely <laughs> stiff and un, ungainly. So that when you do remove yourself from Asian your showing. confinement you can actually do a dive and a roll through a broken window but he didn't seem to have any problem with that so i guess he had been Kids. doing some kind of exercise he had a uh, they he probably had a logical program that they had been executing for the last six months to prepare him for this the you other the, the the other thing and this is completely unconnected but it was just one other kind of thought that um that i noted connected again more with the the kind of way in which this was crammed into a Doomwatch story was the whole sequence where <laughs> Quist goes ah, off. Sorry, go ahead. Where Quist goes off and talks to the headmistress. And the, the, the kind of implication then again there is that her husband has set up the school and he he had a very particular type of education in mind. He went and... Uh, established the school to to propagate it and he understood the proper safeguards for it but when he died and she took over she she sort of carried on the school but and in some shows i wouldn't necessarily draw this conclusion but i can't help it now with doomwatch it's like it's conditioned me to expect they will have this attitude of because she's a woman she doesn't understand proper properly and deeply what the 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 risks and issues are around it she you know all she can do is just copy what her husband has done and that has proved Could, to be very dangerous can i just add one more on that is it not obvious that she was of not british descent yes so there's another one i mean those darn foreigners yeah for 
not just not was just she German? Woman. She has the temerity to be fem- female and foreign. Yeah, was was that supposed to be a German accent? I couldn't tell. I could totally see Germans being picked on here. Uh, I I think it could have been German. Still close to the war. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I. But I think I think I we apologize. might have had we might have had foreign scientists in the show previously, thinking uh, Web of Fear might have had a foreigner in it, might. who was treated relatively sympathetically. Or am I wrong? Yeah, might have. But we've had we've sure, had numerous but... instances of of um, shall we say a certain attitude towards women, and it just felt like this might be yeah. another of those. Yeah, she obviously doesn't have the moral backbone to to make sure these kids are in safely in place, even though the system is in place. So yeah, it it did was a little weird. I, I apologize for my burst of laughter uh, a, a moment ago. I had revisited in my mind the bathroom problem of the kid in the air ducts and it occurred to me that if the kid in the air ducts had to do his business in the air ducts he's in the air ducts pumping the air into the facility you'd think somebody would notice i think that would have that would not have been a possibility logically (laughs) you smell something (laughs) oh dear I think that's probably a good note to end it on. <laughs> I think it's a terrible note, but or a bad one. Yes, it's what we've got. It's what we've got. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol come join the conversation on facebook or twitter all episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com our music is fight the future by amber wolf this has been a lone locust production